0: This is the Extra Hot Crate Podcast, episode two hundred eighty nine for the week of February tenth, two thousand twenty. I am extreme foot pain, David T. Cole, and I'm here with Brickwad Sarah Debunting.
1: Um, actually, the plural is Lego,
0: Blockhead Tara <laughs> Ariano.
2: I'm not one of your curvy techniques types. And a hole Jimder. Um,
3: it
0: stands for Adult Hobbyist of Lego. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Extra Hot Great. Before we get into the meat of it, a little slight business up top. Next week on this very podcast, we will be offering you a pre-taped episode. Still quality entertainment, folks. Me and Tara are gone overseas doing missionary work or something. (laughs) For the next couple weeks, but there'll be no change in our schedule. Everything is taken care of. We got advanced episodes. We happen to get screeners or something. So worry not. Everything is on schedule, on track, except for this episode you're listening to now, which dropped a day early because we could. Yeah. So with that, let's talk about today's episode, shall we?
2: Yes. And let us also welcome our guest, Jim Durr. Hello, Jim. Hello, Jim. Hello. Jim. Hi. (laughs)
0: Today we are talking about (laughs) Lego Masters and you may have already watched the first episode of Lego Masters. We're sort of tackling it on the cusp of the week two episode. That's just the way things happened. Mm -hmm. Lego Masters starring Will Arnett, who... I don't know if you guys knew this, was Lego Batman. I don't know if he clued into that <laughs> watching the show. Oh, really? It's weird. They should have mentioned well. that. Lego <laughs> Masters is a format that they took from an Australian show called Lego Masters. that has been going on for a while and it's very successful and they thought why not America too? This show seems incredibly cheap to produce, and I'm sure it is.
2: It's actually British. It, there is oh. going to be an Australian version this oh. year, as well as other versions. And there's a combined Netherlands-Belgium version, and then Colombia and um, Chile have have versions coming out like this year oh. and next
0: Well, the Commonwealth's very sneaky. Indeed. Yeah. Lego Masters, it sounds like sort of something that should have dropped in the summer. It feels like that summer fair, you know, light, airy. Non-consequential, but Mm -hmm. fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, But here we are in the new year. They gave it the uh, lead-in slot for Masked Singer. Yes, yes. And it did really well in the ratings. But here we are talking about it. Jim Durr, you're the only one here on the panel with kids. I understand that you uh, wrangled one of your kids to watch it. (laughs) Yes, only one expressed any interest. How did you like Lego Masters on First Blush? And how did your son like Lego Masters on First Blush? Your son, of course, is 26. (laughs) And what of it?
3: No, we both we both liked it. I watched two episodes. We both watched the the first two episodes. Um we both liked it. I wouldn't say it's his favorite reality television show, but I'm not sure what I would rank the top five of those. Um because it's not if we had watched it via YouTube, if there had been some sort of like uh picture in picture of somebody in a headset screaming the the, their lungs out in (laughs) their lower right corner, it would have been his favorite show ever. (laughs) <laughs> but no, we both we both liked it. Watching people who are good at that stuff uh, do things is is uh, interesting.
2: Well, I agree. However, it's called Lego Masters. Mm. Would we say they are all Lego Masters? Because oh. I would maybe not.
3: I did have some questions about the uh, how these people were selected. Yeah, uh, we definitely have some padawans here. <laughs> because yeah, well, or or it's like, hey, these people have never even met. Right. It's like we just found two people off the street. Yeah. <laughs> what what is happening? Um, some of them are very good. And mm-hmm. now obviously, you know, have worked together or have known each other prior to this, but some of these people it's like, Oh, I thought maybe just ducks. <laughs> oh, I got a clip of
0: that actually. <laughs> so let's talk about this team. It is basically Paula Dean and Jan Hooks as a team. <laughs> And um, there's a power dynamic imbalance here. Mm-hmm. And let's just say Paula Dean is the leader of the two. And she has ideas and some of them aren't fully formed. And then Will Arnett has to deal with it. Um, I don't understand what the question
2: Okay. Is your theme <sighs> that, duck-based? That is our, that, yes, absolutely. Amazing. There's a whole lot going on up in here is too. that true? Yeah. Let's hear it. Well, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Pretty good piece of hosting there from Will, Arnett. Uh-huh. Yeah, he does he does a good job. <laughs> um there are people that are extremely talented in this pool and there are people that I feel like are like me if I spent 3 months learning how to build mm-hmm. modern Legos. Like in the first episode there are people that are just creating square towers and putting stuff on top of them. I'm like, "Well, that's what I used to do when I built Legos freeform." Yeah. And then there's people that are building geometric shapes with curves and moving parts and stuff that are like, all right, you are Anakin Skywalker as a (laughs) Jedi master. You are about to turn evil and kill everybody. Right. And then, you know. With Lego. With Lego. Yeah. 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 So it is interesting in the first couple episodes that you have such a disparity. It's not helped by the presentation, I find. The actual Mm. camera work and direction of the episodes for a show that's all about building kind of city-like creations and scenes. It's not very cinematic with the exception that sometimes they do stop animation based on, based on the creations. But like, where's the time-lapse camera of the thing going up? Where is like just the really detailed shots as you're going along? I don't know whether like the trick in their minds is when you reveal it, it really has to be like the first time you see it all, which I feel robs you of the process of creating a Lego world, which is the whole point of Lego. Agree. I,
2: I have to, yeah. I was going to yeah. say, I have to think our, our process fan Sarah D. Bunching has some thoughts on that. I do, which is
1: that I'm not going to watch this show anymore <laughs> because it had, it suffers from the same issues for me, um, that making it suffered to wit. Um, first of all, this is a giant commercial for Lego, which is fine. It, that's the brand, they're not going to call it like, I don't know, but a cube, tab, brick masters. <laughs> like, fine. It's Lego masters. Sure. But we're given no context for like, if you are trying to build something with a curve, like what what pieces are there? Like, we have no context for what pieces are available and how difficult it is for anyone, regardless of experience, to build you know, something that's going to change levels or something mm-hmm. that has, uh, you know, uh, like, I don't know the geometric terms, but like if you're trying to do a Möbius type of roller coaster, mm-hmm. uh, like, I don't know how difficult that is, given what pieces are available, because I don't know what pieces are available. I I don't need like a, you know, side like episode with a list of all the blocks, but I just had no information about that.
0: They should have one of the minifigs as a character to explain all that kind of stuff. Like, just quickly quickly run it down. It could just be like that cheap CG shit. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, here's the uh, space shuttle thruster part that was introduced in 86. And Mm -hmm. pair that with the roller coaster curve of doom.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, and baking show is good at doing this. It's like, here's what this is. Here's what this is supposed to look like in theory. We did a drawing. And then once it comes out of the oven, you can compare and you have the good camera work. The other thing is that they're not spending as much time on the actual building. I feel like it's like, here's the part where Will Arnett makes a joke, and like he's just not quite funny enough in this context to make up for the fact that we're not actually seeing anything that brings the drama that's supposed to be inherent in this competition. And also, like, I am here for craft competition and not for jokes. And that's part of why I didn't love making it that I'm like, I like these hosts. I I want them to shut up.
0: Its potential reminds me of Face Off, Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. special effects makeup show, which I feel like is almost the same show, minus the jokey host. It's still got that, you know, creating a craft from scratch and building something, you know, to be judged. And each week, they're definitely doing something different. But that one just... Well, first of all, we sort of get stem to stern view of everything they're creating. They don't gloss over the... A to Y part of it. You know, they actually show you they're having troubles with the nose, they're mold ripped and all this kind of stuff. Like you get all that going on and you get a sense of what they're building. As you see something you really like, you attach to it emotionally and Mm -hmm. you're like, yeah, you don't get that in Lego Masters. Like Lego Masters, it's just sort of like, it's all sort of blurry and nebulous until bam, it's done. Or you just see a little piece of it or something. You don't really get the whole picture. And I feel like it doesn't pay tribute to the people that are making it. Right. And I don't really understand the tv production choice there like i feel like they're putting too much weight on a reveal that like eh, like yes they're cool but yeah. they're cool being made too and they're lego like it's construction blocks construction show yeah. the construction <laughs>
2: right right, yeah 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 agree to back up to the teams and we meant we started to talk about this earlier the like i don't understand why they they even are teams instead of individuals competing in this other than for the drama Frankly, like the interpersonal backbiting, amazing raceness of it, (laughs) because I feel like you can do this by yourself and maybe you could do it better by yourself than if you were trying to do this with someone else, especially if it's like a shotgun wedding situation where it's like, well, we found you in Missouri and you in Hawaii. Now you're a team. Good luck.
0: And I think that just Mm -hmm. plays into the fact that they are placing the value of Mm TV-osity, whether that be manufactured drama between two people I've never met, over actually building the Legos and enjoying that process. Like I yeah. feel like they just don't have faith in the Lego part of Lego masters right. enough to really make the show shine. Like, I feel like this probably shouldn't have been on Fox. It should have been on like, a premium cable channel. Like it Discovery. Wor- yeah. Well, uh-huh. so yeah. Discovery mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever, whatever like face off is on like sci-fi, it's like sci-fi works. Mm-hmm. One, one of the things that I noticed was it feels very
3: Foxy. Mm-hmm. Like it is very like, like the set. The set design, yeah. the lights, mm. the, yeah. the way it's presented. Like, that's the other thing that's diametrically opposed to uh, Bake Off, right? Where it's like, there's a bunch of people in a tent. It's pretty mm-hmm. chill. We're all baking shit, you know? <laughs> I don't want to try to poison Paul Hollywood, whatever. <laughs> and then this is like, I've got a gun to your head. You know, the goddamn pirate ship motherfucker. Yes. They present it as very high stakes. Yeah. It's Lego.
2: Yes.
0: Dial it back, you know, a notch. It feels like this. Set and all the production value was done by the same team that does like Master uh, Chef. No, Fox Football.
2: Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yes,
3: yeah. Boomer Boomer's going to come out <laughs> and you know <laughs> illustrate.
1: No. Yes, yeah, yes, <laughs> the robot from Monday Night
3: Football is going to come out <laughs> and illustrate what they what went wrong with the mm-hmm. Ferris wheel.
1: Well, but if you're going to do it like that, then use all that NFL Films technology with those, um, uh, like, basically drones on a mm-hmm. yeah, and send the cameras flying over or just park one mm-hmm. suspended overhead over each, like, station. Yep. Yeah. There's ways to make this exciting just from what it is mm-hmm. instead of like, well, we're going to do this in teams. I don't understand the teams thing either. Actually, now that I think about it, that's an excellent point.
0: I feel like they should have taken a page from, I think it was the first Lego movie. I didn't see the second one, so it must be the first one. But it ends in like a rec room basement. I feel like that was the set, mm-hmm. you know, mm. in order to like yeah. establish the tone that is sort of true to Lego craftsmanship and the ness of it and childhood vibes of the whole thing. And then I feel yeah. like they sort of did a disservice to it. By who wants to be a millionaire up the <laughs> the set, you know, with their yes. red laser runway lights and all that kind of stuff. It just felt at odds with the spirit of Lego. Like and
2: why
1: aren't there any kids?
2: Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Why aren't there? Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you want to do teams, do you like a, what an older person and a and a kid? Yeah. yeah, who are hopefully in some way related. I'm not suggesting they just pair. Randos oh, with kids. That's, that's a different <laughs> Fox show, probably. Just send van
2: down to a school to find some kids who like Lego.
3: <laughs> yeah, just paint Lego on the side of your white windowless
0: van and
1: creeper from
0: uh, Archer pulls
3: up. are
1: all going to jail. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, why are not there kids? <laughs> what
2: the hell? How many ways do we have to fix this show? Honestly, it, like,
0: I mean, I, I think we've given them a good laundry list of things. Too. Like, it is not unenjoyable. It's Mm -hmm. just that you can see the potential there that has been produced out.
2: Yeah. And I feel like
0: they needed to get someone less slick to be in charge. Yeah, Mm. I agree. It is time to go around the dial talking about something we're watching on TV lately. First up, Tara Ariano.
2: Hello. um, I watched Katie Keene, the first episode has aired on the CW and I also watched the next two because we got screeners. This is the newest series in the Riverdale Extended Universe. This one is a direct spin off of Riverdale itself, but I guess takes place a few years later. I don't watch Riverdale. Don't know. Don't care. Yes, Dave. Stay at Riverdale. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Katie Keene, the title the character, is played by Lucy Hale. This is her third starring vehicle on the CW, all unrelated. This isn't like a spin off situation among her various credits. Um, They just keep trying with her and she better hope this one works because modern family is ending and that one girl on it who looks like the Bratz doll version of Lucy Hale is going to be coming for her. So look <laughs> out. But anyway, Katie uh, lives in actual New York, not like, you know, the Riverdale equivalent. She is an aspiring fashion designer, but for her day job, she works as an assistant to the stylist at a fancy pants department store. And her colleague slash nemesis Amanda is played by our queen from the other two, Helene York, which leads me to my next point as to why you should give this a shot. If, like me, you aren't a Riverdale person and didn't think that you would care, it is gay, <laughs> super gay, <laughs> Gatie's roommate, Jorge Johnny Beauchamp from The Share Show on Broadway is trying to break in on Broadway on Katie Keene, but does drag at night as at a club called Molly's Crisis. If you live in New York or have ever been through or know anything about <laughs> drag, you know the billionaire villainess. Alexander Cabot is basically a drag queen. She's like Maleficent trying to crush the dreams of Riverdale's own Josie McCoy of the Pussycats. Um Wait, she- her name is Alexandra Cabot? Yeah.
1: Like in SVU?
2: Uh, yeah, I think they stole it from Riverdale because that's the, she was, she's a holdover character from Josie and the Pussycats. Oh, okay. Yeah. Love it. Anyways, she's trying to crush Josie who has come to New York to try and get her music career off the ground uh, as a solo artist. One of Katie's uh, best friends, Pepper Smith, is a socialite influencer who may not be exactly what she seems, which is she's a scammer. We love a scam. Um, episode one closes with Jorge's drag alter ego, Ginger covering Carly Rae Jepsen's cut to the feeling episode three guest stars Bernadette Peters. I don't really know what else I need to say. Katie herself <laughs> is as is often the case with these kinds of shows, the dullest character, but the rest of it is a lot of fun. It's really shiny. The fashion is great. It's super cute. I, I enjoyed every second of it. Even the dopey parts are fun. Uh, it's the CW Thursday nights, Katie Keene, give it a shot. Um, you might like it. It's very silly and fun. For my plug, uh, again with this, our podcast on Melrose Place, we are getting toward the end of season one of Melrose. Uh, Amanda is fully ensconced. She and Allison hate each other. It's good times. And I also (laughs) want to mention our Patreon, again with Again With This, is going to be covering the Brian Austin Green Lifetime movie, Unwed Father. So if you support us on Patreon, that's patreon.com slash again with this, you can hear us talk about that on February 21st and also get access to all the past Patreon episodes and all the ones in the future, of course, as well. So um, hear how that grew out of, um, I don't know, mutually assured destruction of the two of us trying (laughs) to outdo (laughs) one another with bad 90210 cast projects. Hopefully we could take a break from that for a while, but yeah, unwed father again with again with this. Thank you so much.
0: All right, Jen, what have you been watching?
3: Um, I was going to recommend uh, if you've already subscribed to the uh, Disney Plus and you've run out of Mandalorians to watch, <laughs> uh, hop over to Geo and check out Free Solo, uh, which is a documentary about a guy named Alex Honnold and his attempt to uh, climb El Capitan, which is a, a thirty five hundred sheer. Wall in Yosemite without ropes or really any safety equipment whatsoever, um, and it's uh, terrifying and fascinating, and you can't look away. But you watch, you know, with your hands over your eyes because uh, this dude is really, you know, whatever two thousand feet in the air uh, with with nothing below him. Uh, it's shot incredibly well. It goes through sort of his whole process and who he is. And, and, you know, they talk to the filmmakers who are all friends of his who are, who are professional climbers and, and cinematographers. And they're all like, you know, Oh, we really don't want him to like fall through our frame to his death. Uh, <laughs> and which is a fair point. Sure. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's beautiful, obviously, you know, so, you know, shots of, of this huge, uh, you know, gray slab of stone and this little tiny, you know, figure quietly creeping across its face.
0: It's great, and and you should watch it. I get scared when I'm at the top step of a ladder just doing <laughs> stuff around the house.
2: And you do have a safety harness on when you do that. I,
0: I do, <laughs> and I will not step on that top one that says, do not step. No, it says not a step, man. <laughs> I know people do, but no way, Jose. Never mind El Capitan. Jesus Christ. Dude. And uh, got anything to plug there, Jim? I have literally nothing.
1: <laughs> Sarah Bunting. Speaking of paid streaming services, I mean, I guess they all are. Um, I have a mini CBS All Access roundup for you. I have, as threatened, continued to watch Picard. I'm um, having second thoughts about that because the second two episodes have been slow. Mm. Like, it, we don't know anyone in this band that you're trying to get back together. So <laughs> don't spend two full episodes <laughs> first of all in the desert with speaking of svu michelle heard who's vaping like i i mean <laughs> I, I like her but get on with it mm-hmm. and then we're like in the board cube and we're getting all this exposition and like romulan tarot like when sir patrick is on screen it's still like good and compelling because he gives it some like he gives it some zest but A, if he's not going to bring his housemates along with him, including Jamie McShane, who is always <laughs> great, even with those weird eyebrows. <laughs> I don't I don't understand why, because um, his uh, the wife half of the housekeeping team is like she's the source of all of Picard's information is A and B under the circumstances, since he probably won't be returning to the vineyard it has a whole line about how he never felt like it was home there. Just bring everyone with you. Pack yeah. some grapes, take the vintage, it's not a problem. <sighs> it's, it's got like one more episode and then I'm probably giving up. Um, It was sufficiently slow and like, inessential that I actually had to go back and check my watch log because I wasn't sure if I had actually watched the third episode or if I just wished that I had. <laughs> I actually did. But yeah, Picard, pick it up, art. <laughs> so to, to cleanse my palate, I went with a more efficient Trek delivery system and revisited my all-time favorite animated series episode, The Star Trek, the animated series premiere, which uh, is called, I think, Beyond the Farthest Star and features this smudgy green blob. Classic. That uh, is shrieking, obey me, uh, through the intercom while (laughs) someone shakes the camera while it's pointed at uh, one of the animation cells. Um, The animation is not good, but it really tells you something. I'm not sure what. That the entire cast, except for Chekhov, came back for this <laughs> to do the voice acting, including the computer. <laughs> <laughs> and they just replaced Chekhov with like this alien who never talks and sits next to Sulu and just like looks, I don't know, dyspeptic. Ouch. Um, anyway, that's all on CBS All Access. And uh, I'm looking forward to digging back into it. Because it was actually my first um, contact, as it were, <laughs> with, with any Trek property. Because they used to air it like to fill time on Nickelodeon uh, back in the day when I was a kid. So, I mean, it's not good exactly, but it's predictable and soothing. And it moves a lot faster than Picard. So, that's where I'm at with that. En conclusion interrogation was the other thing that I watched from CBS all access over the weekend. I will be covering that on the blotter presents, uh, as you're listening to this tomorrow, that episode will drop interrogation. The conceit here is that they did drop the whole season at once. It's 10 episodes. It is based on a real case of a wrongful conviction, uh, that was, um, garnered via a confession that was like improper. um, it's a little like a Kyle Gallner um, beaver from Veronica Mars. is in it as the central figure, which is a little weird, but he's very good. Um, and also literally everyone else is in this. Um, (laughs) uh, D'Onofrio is in it. Eric Roberts is in it. Andre Royo is in it. Um, Sonia. So there's like all these mini reunions, like, um, from the wire and various other places. uh, (sighs) if you have seen, if you watch the whole thing, the other part of the conceit is you watch the middle eight episodes in any order you want. So it's kind of a choose your own adventure, except you don't really get to pick anything. You just choose the order. Right. I'm not sure this works. I think the finale was some like poochy bullshit, Um, but I don't want to say anything else lest I spoil it. So please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter Um, And let me know if you agree that that whole thing doesn't line up and was just kind of an excuse for some D'Onofrianics for the Emmy reel. Um, (laughs) That's interrogation on all access. And The Blotter Presents, wherever you download your podcasts. And that's it.
0: by means of trying to excise it from my brain, we'll now share to you a local commercial for Dairy
2: Queen.
3: <laughs> Try the five ninety nine dollars Treats and Eats deal at DQ. That's a hunger buster, fries, drink, and your choice of a Dilly Bar, DQ sandwich, or small dip cone. Just five ninety nine. DQ. That's what I like about Texas.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what you like about Texas. Okay. Uh. Um,
0: that. Line has been repurposed. I can say a dozen times since it like, entered my brain on the other side of the weekend.
2: Marie, that's what I like about Texas, for example. <laughs> um, so rest assured
0: every time that somebody mentions Texas from now on in this podcast.
4: That's what I like about Texas. <laughs>
1: AMC Network's Sundance Now is a premium streaming video service offering a rich selection of prestige dramas, heart stopping thrillers, and gripping true crime series from around the world. Sundance Now believes that life is more enriching when experienced through perspectives that differ from our own. Why is Sundance Now so awesome? Sundance Now's catalog includes award winning original content, international exclusives, and hard to find properties at a fair price. You get premium content and no commercials for as low as $4.99 a month with an annual membership, and you can enjoy it anywhere. Sundance Now works on all your favorite devices. Download the app or watch online on Apple and Android devices, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. My favorite aspect of Sundance Now is their documentary library. Pop culture investigations like The Cult of J.T. LeRoy, The Pussy Riot Doc, and that must-see for Project Runway fans, Bill Cunningham, New York. But the catalog is impressively deep on the true crime front, too. There are lots of films I've covered for my true crime newsletter, but just as many I haven't had a chance to watch yet. And I had to force myself not to start Valentine Road instead of recording this ad, so... Let's get to that promo code so that I can get back to the film and you can join me free for 30 days. Start streaming your next obsession. To try Sundance Now free for 30 days, go to SundanceNow.com and use promo code E-H-G. That's S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W.com and use promo code E-H-G for 30 days of free streaming. Thanks Sundance Now!
0: it is time for the canon presenting this week is dave take it away dave thanks dave let me first set the table for this canon submission which is the prisoner series one episode seven many happy returns the prisoner aired as one and only series in 1967 17 episodes in total so as the long credits sequence visually informs us There's a government agent, played by Patrick McGowan. He angrily resigns from service and then is gassed in his own home, only to wake up in the village, which is this self-contained, fully functioning society, seemingly engineered to extract information from people who will not give it up.
4: Where am I? In the village. What do you want? Information. Whose side are you on? That would be telling... We want information, information, information. You won't get it. By hook or by crook, we will. Who are you? The new number two. Who is number one? You are number six. I am not a number. I am a free man. (laughs) That
0: was 1967. Now let's forward to the mid 80s. I remember probably 85 or 86. There was a guy who was like 10 years too old to be in university still. (laughs) And he told me to watch this show on PBS. Thought I would like it. And every once in a while, PBS would like show this at like weird hours. You know, it'd be like 1030 at night. It was totally random. You never really knew And it would just sort of happen, and word of mouth would get around, you know, with the 17 people in your area that actually knew about this show. So I watched it, and I liked it. I didn't understand it at first, but I kind of recognized there was something delightfully sinister about the whole affair, which appealed to me, because I was in my teens then. I decided as time went on that I figured out more of it, or at least had more opinions about what I thought they were doing. And that's sort of one of the great things about this show, is it really invites... Debate and conjecture. It's not a J.J. Abrams mystery box show. It is a well-structured, interesting mystery show. <laughs> Shots fired. Fast forward again to the mid-90s and we got the birth of the commercial internet. The early... It's hard to to, to remember now, but the early days of the internet was a nerds-only club. You know, with your GeoCity fan sites, your <laughs> Usenet groups like alt.tv.prisoner. dot and all these things were a real boon to all the prisoner weirdos, you know, hiding in their hovels. And now they're all connected. And the discussion and debate over the beginning of the show and the episodes, it just flourished and it kind of had like a second wind. And I think the prisoner still resonates today because it packaged a lot of shit we're still thinking about without pinning it necessarily to a particular time or political entity. In the village, which is where he wakes up and finds himself, the power dynamic is very quantified, it is omnipresent, and village society is sort of like an outwardly cheery take on 1984. A lot of surveillance going on, but everybody's wearing colorful uniforms and a smile. Thanks to the shrouded mystery of its main factions and the considered of a time but sort of out of time design of the village, And the paranoia that runs through it all, it feels like a story one could tell today. And while the retro minimal quirk of the village design is decidedly 60s tinge, it also can blur time. And I kind of like to think of it as walking down a grocery aisle that's all no-name products, you know, with their yellow labels and their black Helvetica letters could be today it could be 10 years ago it could be 30 years ago it's, just, it's that sort of feeling like i am somewhere but i don't know when i am <laughs> and that's sort of like one of the great things about the prisoners it manages to be a 50 year old show that kind of feels like it could exist that aesthetic today so let's talk about today's episode. The seventh episode has aired, Many Happy Returns. And just for the benefit of everybody who's not from the Commonwealth and may not know, Many Happy Returns is a traditional birthday greeting, not really used in the U.S., but happy birthday. Many, many happy,
2: happy returns of the day.
0: Yeah. yeah. So let me go through the episode. We start in the village. Number six, that's our main character. He doesn't have a name in the show. He's only referred to as number six. He wakes up in his cozy village cottage and discovers that the power is out, the water is off, And as he ventures out, discovers the village is abandoned. And the village is usually full of people and shopkeepers and administrators all there to try to figure out why he resigned and extract information from him. They're all gone. Never happened before. This, of course, is very unusual. And after proving to himself that the village is in fact empty, goes up to the tower, looks around, snoops around. He starts on his escape. He gathers supply from the village store and he gets into building a raft and chops down trees so he can sail somewhere else. And he does. He escapes. Number six drifts at sea for a few weeks before a small vessel with a couple of uh, peacoat-wearing gun runners take all his stuff and then dump him in the ocean for dead. Of course, he gets on the boat and there's some fun agency distract and conquer scenes uh, before number six is forced to jump ship and he swims to shore. One of the things about the ship scenes is that... And it kind of points to like how the prisoner approaches the mystery of what's going on is there's a scene with the gun runners after they dump him and to steal the supplies, they are going to eat and they're eating all these no name village food tins. The question is, did they get them from the boat or are they part of the conspiracy? We don't know. We never know.
2: No, they got them from the boat. They show him, take, they show him have a, they take the boxes. They take the, the box.
0: boxes, but they don't show the cans. And by that time, Number six was probably out of food. He mm. was near death. So, All right, fair. one of the many things that you'll find on message boards. Okay, okay. Were the gun enough. runners part
2: of it? Fair enough.
0: He jumps off a boat. He gets to shore. He stumbles around, eventually crossing paths with some gypsies who point the way to a road where he evades a uh, police cordon and steals a ride to London in the back of a lorry, as the British would say. <laughs> At this point, I need to mention that after over one half of the episode, not a lick of English dialogue has been spoken. The only thing we have are a few non-English lines from the Gudrunners and the Gypsy family. Mm. It is something when well done, we still celebrate today, like the Hope Bojack Horseman Underwater episode. And this was made 50 years ago. 50 years ago. He arrives in London. He returns to his old residence in an effort to gather clues, but finds it is now occupied by a widow Mrs. Butterworth, who took over his lease and signature sports car, she looks like the agent from Toast of London if you've ever watched that show. <laughs> he asks the date. It is March 18th. Tomorrow is Number Six's birthday. He kind of rummages around the house for a bit with her uh, with her permission and finds nothing. Mrs. Butterworth gives him a change of clothes and lets him borrow his old car, as we'll hear in this clip.
3: Bon
1: voyage, Mrs.
3: Butterworth. You've been tremendous.
1: No speeches. Off you go. <laughs> Don't forget to come back. I'll be back. I might even bake you a birthday
0: don't He meets with his superiors and tells them about the village. But there's some uneasiness. Can he trust them with his information? Do they trust him? Is he a double agent? It might be an uneasy piece, but both sides seem to have a stake in figuring this one out. So using math, navally... <laughs> They calculate a search area and requisition a surveillance jet to locate the village. So they spot the village from the air. And the pilot then turns around to number six and says, be seeing you, which is the standard goodbye phrase used in the village. And then ejects him from the plane. Number six parachutes down, lands in the village. His water is now running in his cottage. The power is back on. There's a knock at the door it is mrs butterworth or as her signature penny farthing button says she is actually the village overseer number two she says
1: many happy returns
0: she has brought him a birthday cake she smiles and says many happy returns and the village comes back to life mocking number six with a celebratory parade The great thing about The Prisoner is that dare to leave many questions unanswered, and not questions like, why is there a polar bear in the jungle, but (laughs) rather uncertainty around the nature and origin and motives of the creators of the village. We may start to talk about the show, but it's really just one step away from being discussion about where we are today. Are we part of society, or just grist for the mill? Can one resist but still function and carry on day to day? Who's running the show, and am I going crazy, and why the hell is down up and up down? (laughs) The prisoner is our paranoia and fear stripped bare, then dressed up in stripes of rainbow umbrellas and many happy returns might be telling us how stacked the odds are against us It is a playful, stylish allegory on how we're all fucked. And it's probably too late to do shit about it. Now (laughs) it's up there on the shelf between 1984 and brave new world. It is 2020. The show had it figured out 50 years ago and like Orwell and Huxley they sort of nailed it. Listen to this clip of Patrick McGowan from a 1977 CBC interview where he explains the village.
4: A place that is trying
0: to destroy
4: the individual by every means possible, trying to break his spirit so that he, he accepts that he's number six and will live there happily as number six forever after. And uh, this is the one rebel that they can't break. To what end was that process of breaking down the individual will? To what end? Mm -hmm. For the village. What was the purpose, the goal? I think it's going on every day all around us. I had to sign (laughs) in to get into this joint. Mm -hmm. Downstairs, yeah. Made you angry too? Slightly, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Pass keys, you know, And let's go down to the basement and all this. That's prisonership as far as I'm concerned. And That makes me mad, and that makes me rebel, and that's what the prisoner was doing—was rebelling against that type of thing. But can you, in everyday life, can you can you summon the will and the energy to rebel every time that oh, kind of petty indignity occurs? You can't, otherwise you go crazy. You have to live with it. That's what makes us prisoners. Uh, you can't rebel, otherwise you have to go and live on your own on a totally rebel, or you have to go and live on your own on a desert, on a desert island. And how it's much as simple is that?
0: Uh, so there you have it, Patrick uh downer in 1977, a downer in 2020. Is the village just Twitter? (laughs) All right. So, you know, this is sort of one of the downer episodes, but I do want to sort of end this presentation with um, an alternate way of looking at this episode. Sort of like in The Matrix, this would be your blue pill. If you just sort of want to not believe. Here's my alternate take on this episode. Number two, Mrs. Butterworth looks at her calendar a month before the episode starts and sees that number six, her star prisoner, has a birthday coming up. Like a warden who lets their charges watch a movie every now and then, <laughs> she designs, hmm. designs a scenario where he gets some time away from monotony of the village, a month to escape, to visit the old home, to take a spin in the old Lotus 7 and find out exactly where the village is located. Own oh, a birthday cake at the end. He's seeing you. <laughs> so... Pick your poison, which interpretation (laughs) of The Prisoner, many happy returns you prefer. But uh, for me, The Prisoner is a show that uh, is 50 years old, quasi-timeless, and still has a lot to say about all the stupid shit that's going on today as it did back in the late 60s. So with that, I rest my case for many happy returns for the canon.
2: Well, we should turn this over to Jim since he picked it off the list. So Jim, your thoughts. Please start us off.
0: Uh, I have
3: never watched this show. Um, what so I, I i know right i'm a nerd i should have watched this show <clears throat> but when i saw it on the list i thought a i get to make dave do work uh and b <laughs> it gives me an excuse to watch the show um so it was perfect and then i went back and started watching from the beginning so i'm probably four episodes in now i haven't caught up to where this episode was but uh that intro is three minutes and 15 seconds yep. and they show it every time yep Just <laughs> that is that is something that is dedication to that thing
0: and it feels like at certain point in the credits that the credits have ended and the episode has begun, but yeah. actually it is just still part of the introduction. Well, I yep. asked
2: Dave, like, is this the previous lease from the last episode? He was like, nope, this is nope, that's just every, <laughs> every
0: time you all came into this um, midway through the season, yeah, you got the gist of what was going no, on. Totally. I mean, oh, it is long as hell, but
2: yep, it works. Yep, for you sure. You can
0: you can pick that show
3: up at any time. Yep. Um, I liked it. I liked it a lot. There were things that reminded me of more obviously modern things, things that have come after that I, are probably not at all related. But you know, um, the village reminded me of the good place. Oh yeah, yeah. you know the the, the sort uh-huh. of manufactured community. If if you know the restaurant only served chowder, <laughs> and he couldn't swear it would be the good place,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you yeah. know,
3: with the little community, you know, uh, garden in the in the middle where everyone can meet and 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 stuff like that. And, and again, some of this is like how much of it was just 1967 and how much of it was very clever design, like the the tea set uh, that they serve him with once he once he gets back and they finally decide that he is not a, a double agent and they're going to work on this problem is like this cool, like red exterior, white interior tea set. And was that like a very specific design choice or did somebody go to the, you know, 1967 English equivalent of Woolworths and buy the five pound tea set? <laughs> um, or the, like the sweater that he's wearing when he gets captured by the, the gun runners, this cable knit, you know, heavy sweater. I think there's that, a deliberate
0: minimalism to some of the choices that they do, yeah. certainly in the village anyways, you know, oh, with yeah. your generic signage and everything like that. Like yeah. it is yep. stripped down for sure.
3: Yeah, And that kind of almost reminded me, um, Roosevelt Island a yes. little bit, or like the way, the way you mentioned, the like walking down, uh, you know, in a grocery store, all
0: generic stuff. Can I explain Roosevelt Island for those that don't know what, yeah, what that is? Uh, Roosevelt Island in New York City, it is just this really weird sort of isolated community that popped up. And their main drag, where all the stores are, they all have ident- – or they used to. I don't know if they Yeah, still they don't there. anymore. They all have identical signage. It is a particular font on – white, bold font on a red background and every single store. 20 or 30 of them down the main drag, exactly the same signage. It was very Mm village-esque, and it uh, delighted me in sort of a weird, terrifying way, much like the prisoner did when I first went there. Uh, I loved the silence, which made sense. Like, it was was a good
3: opportunity for it to be silent. He was alone, and uh, I guess, unlike me, he doesn't talk to himself constantly out (laughs) loud in his office. That worked very well, and it does... Then, like you're, you're sort of shocked when the the gun runners talk, or when he actually gets to England and he starts talking to to, to people there. But yeah, no, I I enjoyed it. I went back. I'm I'm watching more. I'll, I'll probably watch all of
2: them. Uh, I'll go next. I definitely at the end of it. I'm I'm kind of surprised that we've gotten this far in our marriage and you've never made me watch this show. I, thought I did honestly. I, I mean, getting to maybe we watched one. Maybe. Um. But yeah, we've never watched this episode before, and I certainly get. Like this is a very Davy show, and and it's impossible, as Jim said, not to start seeing other, uh, you know, other pop cultural products that have definitely been influenced by it. Once you watch it, I mean, I would say this is probably. Maybe has been influenced by the E.M. Forster story, The Machine Stops, which, if you've never read it, look it up. But, but after, you know, like the, the village in Hot Fuzz, <laughs> clearly right. like oh, as creepy yeah, yeah. as this village in its own way. Um, or, you know, The Matrix, as you said, is another one, or like the cruise ship in Wally, where the idea of like just narcotize people so that they will just be docile and easily led and just give them, cr- feed all of their creature comforts. So that they're not you know, they don't they they're not moved to try to rebel they're or compliant. Exactly. Yeah. Um and uh it's funny that this is this was streaming for free on Amazon Prime because Amazon is very villagey. It's the service that supplies all of your needs. <laughs> You know, pay one small fee and it will ship everything you could ever possibly want tomorrow, you know. Um, anyway, uh, I won't get into all of my pink ness But yeah, uh, there's a lot to like about this won't episode you? for sure. And c- seeing um, number six wake up and realize that like you can imagine at this point, if this is episode seven, he's like come to some kind of acceptance of his circumstances and now everything is thrown into question again where it's like oh now my water doesn't even work (laughs) what the fuck we see the rest of the village and and uh and that he has to try and you know remember oh yeah i know how to do things i know how to i know how to get myself out of this if i'm not being prevented from doing so by the crazy you know white balloons um and so seeing him get to be capable and do all that spy shit is very cool always um, it's always neat when you can see someone be capable and competent and, and, uh, solve their problems in a way that you as the viewer never would be able to, I definitely would be the person in the situation would be like, oh, does Netflix still work? That I'm fine. <laughs> I don't care. Can I still get DoorDash? Great.
0: But also not be like the superhuman superhero. Yeah. Yes.
2: He's like John McClane. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's not a superhero. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. He's just very smart and, um, resourceful. Mm-hmm and has clearly you know been trained in how to get out of shit like this from whatever agency he was part of but yeah when he gets to london it's just it's such a relief like it must have been so crazy to watch this episode when it first aired and not know oh is this really the turning point like are we going to find out from here what is happening is is it is that part of his story over and seeing him, like, just get out of the truck and be in London, it's, like, such a relief, even for someone who hasn't been watching it all along, like, to see him back in Civilization is so exciting. And then seeing him back in his old house is so creepy. We get the the overhead shot of him when Mrs. Butterworth leaves him alone in that den, where he's just, we see him from, obviously, shot above the set, where it's, like, this God's eye view of him. And once again, it's putting you back and, like, he can't trust this either. Like, someone is still watching him you know, conveyed visually. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the ending just once again proves my point, as I say to Dave, every time <laughs> yeah. every British person is a spy. <laughs> <And> this <laughs> proves it yet again. So this was great. Thank you, Dave. Excellent presentation. So fun to watch. And uh, yeah, we should add this to the list of stuff we should watch together. Cool. All right. Sarah Debunting.
1: Bunting. Uh, I am shocked that you Tara had not been forced by circumstances of by nuptial circumstance to watch this entire thing. Um I haven't watched the whole series yet, but I did um have to teach the finale in a department of dramatic writing at the college level last year and um this there are a lot of episodes that are fairly challenging to teach because the effectiveness of the show does not necessarily proceed from what you might see on the page. Um, But at the same time, the students really love to talk about it. Like how, how does it create this atmosphere of um, paranoia, of uh, not surreal, just like that something is not quite right, Mm -hmm. that everything is just a little off center, that you're being constantly observed, but never helped. Um, And the sound design also in these long stretches where there isn't dialogue or anyone is speaking that this, the everyday sounds of not talking seem much louder. And there's this like Poe aspect to that. Um, I hadn't seen this episode before. I'm a little surprised that Dave led with this one and not the finale. Uh, but this one is really this one is really amazing and effective i loved the watching you know smart resourceful spy like just just making a compass building a raft <laughs> yeah. leaving a note about the canned goods yep uh sailing setting a fire so he can pull a boat jacking you know <laughs> sexy stuff <laughs> um but uh so that was fun and then he gets to london and it was just like tara was saying that it's like Um, First of all, the sound design is once again putting you in that place where like everything seems very loud and the way that it's shot, like often you notice that the camera, sometimes it's directly above him, like in the shot Tara mentioned, but also in a lot of the prisoner, it's at like knee height looking up, which gives it this like not claustrophobic feel, but there, there are a lot of things that go into this. Dream like nightmarish, sort of dreamlike atmosphere that the show has that you don't necessarily notice, but it like your skin is just kind of it's not quite crawling, it's just kind of r- rolling around <laughs> a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. it's very well done. And then when he's ejected from the plane, like you, you knew that was happening, yet you're still a bit startled. Yeah. Um, and apparently, so is my dog, hi bear. Sorry about that, everyone. Um, so. <laughs> This was really enjoyable to watch and also to think about how it was put together and what made it so effective. So, thanks, Dave. And um, bring back the, like, come back at us with the finale, because I'm definitely looking forward to talking about that one with the panel, especially at a time when my dog is not barking his full fucking head (laughs) off.
0: (laughs) I, uh, I chose this one over the finale only because I thought it was the more accessible straightforward story that could sort of exist in its own bubble at least better than the finale which i think you need some background for and
1: yeah i mean i guess i sort of was thrown into that with nothing and it's still like uh, like you get it
0: (laughs) yeah one of the other problems with the the prisoner is that the actual viewing order proper viewing order is not
1: Known, Ficata,
2: yeah. Oh.
0: Yeah, because the BB or whatever, whoever aired it, BBC, I guess. ITV. ITV. Yeah. Um, they aired it whatever, and it's not quite right, but then like people have said different things, so nobody quite knows, and they're trying to like fans have tried to figure it out. So there's all these fan suggestions on what actually is the proper chronological order for things. Because uh Mrs. Butterworth is that's not her first appearance or there is a second appearance. We don't know which one is supposed to come first. Right, right. Mm. Like, uh, presumably, there's an episode later where he's sort of having uh, a dream of sorts and people he knew are in it. So, presumably, this is the first appearance and that episode is the second uh, appearance. Okay. But it wasn't aired that way. Right, you know, so right, there's right. a lot of things like that. Got but, it. you know, it would be nice to know, but we don't. So, caveat and poor. Right. Uh, shall we put it to the vote? Yeah. All right. Uh, sure. Jim, Jim Durr, what say you? I vote yay. Tara Ariano. Yay as well. Sarah D. Bunting.
2: That's a third yay. All right. He so, did it. that
0: means... <laughs> the Prisoner, Series 1, Episode 7, Many Happy Returns. You are hereby inducted into the Extra. Hot rakin
4: Americans love a winner. Yeah. And will
0: not tolerate a loser. Nope. It's time for winner and loser of the week. Sarah has the winner.
1: Uh, I'm very happy for Jerry from Cheer, (laughs) who has signed with UTA uh, and also with DBA, which is basically like a brand ambassador agency. Oh. Um, Anyway, he's going to be making those fat stacks. So good for Jerry. (laughs) He deserves it.
2: Loser League? Uh, Oh, boy. Well... Why The Last Man, very popular graphic novel, now in its third decade, effectively, of development hell. Uh, Originally was going to be a movie sometime in the late aughts. Uh, Then it was going to be a TV show on FX in the teens, and it's still May. Was ordered to pilot in 2018. Barry Cogan was cast as its uh, star around that time, which was also around the time that it lost its original showrunner. Who's that? Barry Cogan. I
0: know the name. I can't place it. Either. He's
2: from. I want to as about to say he's from Ready Player One. That might be right, or he might be the guy who looks like the guy from Ready Player One. He's one of those English guys that all look the same. He Got was it. in Dunkirk.
0: Okay. Yeah, that guy. He looks like yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's the Ready Player One guy. I
2: think. Is it? Okay.
0: Oh, yeah. If it isn't, you're right. He looks like. I him. know it's it
2: or as I call him, ugly Ezra Miller. But anyway, he's a. Uh, yeah. No <laughs> offense. <laughs> To Barry Cogan, I think he'll be fine. The point is, he's not going to be in the show anymore. He just uh, has exited the project. Which is,
0: he was the dog shooter in Chernobyl, right?
2: Oh yes, yeah, 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 maybe. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, <laughs> sorry for the fifth time. Not going to be in what the last Man's project.
3: <laughs> more, That's, uh, li- more, like why not the last man,
2: right? Mm. Yeah, it's really ill star. Even laster man. <laughs> so, good luck to everyone involved. This leads me to... Speaking just-
0: <laughs> of good luck to everybody involved, come on, you set yourself up there right there. Yeah, You're right. On, Speaking
2: of good luck to everyone involved, do you know what time it is?
0: Is it non-regulation game time?
2: Yes! Woo! Last week we finished our first uh, our latest season of regulation game time play with Sarah emerging victorious. Congratulations again to Sarah debunting. So thank you. Thank as you we do much. between seasons, we are having a non-regulation game so that Dave can play. This game is called, well, a'll lead up to it. As we mentioned up top, we pre tape next week's episode due to travel for Dave and me. Specifically, we are traveling to Kenya where we are not doing missionary work. We are going on safari. So, given this event in our lives, I came up with a spectacularly dumb game in which I have inserted the names of some of the animals typically seen on a Kenyan safari into TV series titles. And I'm calling it Can You Believe These Punny TV Titles?
0: Oh, no. Oh, God. But yes. <laughs>
2: These are not as straightforward as, say, the Dabney Coleman vehicle Buffalo Bill, Mm -hmm. okay? It's about puns. It's not about research. Do some animal species names lend themselves more easily to puns than others? Yes, which is why animal names are not evenly distributed. Most of them are in the game more than once. Are some of these more of a stretch than others? Yes. So I will be generous on the buzzer as you try to work out how animal and title fit together. I will read the show description you give me the punny animal bedazzled title for two points since it's a non-regulation game you can go ahead and guess without penalty if you need a hint i will give you your choice either the name of the animal or the title of the show after which it will be worth one point here are a couple of examples that i felt were too much of a stretch but they should give you the flavor. On this ABC reality show, a single four legged female from a species that's a cousin to cattle chooses a mate from among more than a dozen literally horny males.
0: The. I don't
2: know. The buffalorette.
1: Oh, okay. I would have gone with the ibex lorette, but
2: okay. <laughs> sure. One more I threw out of the real game to get you warmed up. Canada's version of Hulu airs this comedy in which four large spotted felines sit around a southern Ontario farm stand shooting the shit.
0: I think I'm going to be very bad at this game.
2: We'll see. Leopard Kenny. (laughs) Remember, these are the ones that are too hard.
1: Leopard Kenny. (laughs) Leopard Kenny. Leopard Leopard Kenny. Oh, God. Okay. All right.
2: We're going to skip the um, equalizer challenge zone because... yeah it's a non-regulation game there's only 21 questions and a tiebreaker guys. okay uh let us throw to picky to see who goes first
0: we will start with tara nope
2: nope <laughs> <laughs> Bad picky. we will
0: start with sarah
2: okay let's go sarah jim dave are we ready to play can you believe these tv pun titles
1: I, I feel like no, but let's do it anyway. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> Sarah, Ibex you
1: are. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome.
2: I'm going to give you a free hint. Ibex is not in this game at all. Thank you. Question number one for Sarah. In this controversial Netflix drama, a one-horned teen leaves her survivors a lengthy explanation for her decision to end her life by suicide.
1: 13 Reasons Rhinoceros?
2: I'll give you that. It's 13 (laughs) Reasons Why-noceros, but yes. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) It's good for two points. Jim Dirt. Yes. Critics are divided as to whether this five-part documentary series on a quadruped bovine football star and accused murderer should be considered a movie or a TV series. Can Critics I I'll title? read that again.
3: Okay.
2: Critics are divided as to whether this five-part documentary series on a quadruped bovine football star and accused murderer should be considered a movie or a TV series.
3: Can I get the title?
2: Yes. The title is OJ Made in America. I got nothing. Mm. Buffalo J made it America. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Dave. All right. AMC takes you back to the 19th century when graceful antelopes struggled to build the railways that connected distant cities in the rapidly expanding United States of America.
0: One more time, please.
2: AMC takes you back to the 19th century when graceful antelopes struggled to build the railways that connected distant cities in the rapidly expanding United States of America.
0: I mean, I know the show, but I don't understand. You also said the animal in there.
2: It's a kind of antelope. I see. Well, what's the show?
0: Hell on, hell on Wheels.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But I don't know any antelope thing, so I'm gonna, I don't know.
2: Well, you can ask for a hint.
0: Oh. Oh, you can get that. Right. All right. Sorry. <laughs> Animal name, please. Gazelle. Gazelle on wheels. Okay. That's
2: good for one point. Yay, yay, Okay. <laughs> Back to hard. Sarah. It's harder than I thought. You can't ask for hints. Back to Sarah. In HBO's sitcom, a mulleted new... GNU washes out of Major League Baseball and returns to his hometown to torment his loved ones with his abrasive behavior.
1: Okay, I know the show. Mm-hmm. But I need the animal. Hint, please.
2: The animal is wildebeest.
1: <laughs> oh, wildebeest bound and down.
2: That is correct for one point. There you go. You. Jim Durr. Mm-hmm ryan murphy's first show for netflix is a satiric dramedy in which an antelope runs for student council free hint not the same kind of antelope as the AMC <laughs> show that we just mentioned different kind
3: and also not an Ibex, which Correct. may not be an antelope for all i know
2: i don't know either it's actually
1: a bird sorry guys okay, oh, okay. <laughs> i'll look it up hold please Can I get the show?
2: The show is The Politician. I got nothing. Mm. The answer is The Impolitician. Impala. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Back to you, Dave.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What's the scores right now? (laughs) Zero, one, one. Just wait. Okay. We've got a score break coming up. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
2: Comedy Central, yeah, probably would have liked to air a hundred seasons of this sketch show, but its mercurial antelope host preferred to take his elegant curved horns elsewhere rather than write more bits about Rick James and Prince.
0: Elegant curved horns. Uh, well, the show's Dave Chappelle show. Elegant curved horns. Oh, give me the give me the animal. Gazelle. Oh, the Dave Sh- Sh-
1: Gazelle show.
2: <laughs> Gazelle show. I'll give you that for one point. <laughs> okay. Back We're not to as Sarah. smart as
1: you think we are. Barely.
2: debunting Debunting. Since it stars a striped equine who's always screwing up her bandleader husband's life with her schemes, it's fitting that this old sitcom is in black and white.
1: I Love Lou Zebra.
2: That is good for two points. Jim Durr. Yes. Last fall, Amazon dropped the second season of this drama about an omnivorous canine spy. Do not get me, Tara Ariano, started on how jingoistic it is.
3: Can I get the show?
2: Jack Ryan.
3: Jackal Ryan?
2: That is correct for one point. (laughs) Nice.
3: I'm on the board.
2: (laughs) Dave. Yeah. NBC ruled the 80s and early 90s with this Stephen Bochco legal drama about slender antelopes. Defending clients in Southern California.
0: Your assumption of how many antelope subspecies I know. <laughs> uh, uh, what I'm, if
2: it was always the same one? Yeah, I think you kind of always just beat the same
0: one. I've already forgotten what they were.
2: NBC <laughs> ruled the 80s and early 90s with this Stephen <clears throat> Bochco legal drama about slender antelopes defending clients in Southern California.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to remember what the animals were now. <laughs> uh, shit! I, I can't remember what's the what's the animal gazelle. Gazelle,
2: <laughs> yes. Remember okay. gazelle on wheels and gazelle show?
0: Yeah. So I guess I got the show wrong because like
2: Oh, well, what did you think it was? I thought it was L. A. Law. Uh huh.
0: <laughs> well, how the hell does gazelle go into L. LA gazelle- A. Law? I'm myself because that oh. makes no sense.
2: no L. A. Law. No,
0: <laughs> no. <laughs>
2: Don't like <laughs> what do you mean, no? <laughs> all right, score break, please, Sarah. Oh, dear. Well,
1: uh, Jim, as he said, is on the board with one. Mm-hmm. David T. Cole has two, and I have five.
2: All right. Very good. Moving on. Back to Sarah. HBO took us all to Monterey for this twisty suspense series about big cats jockeying to be the queen of their children's school, among other things. Big Little Lions? That is good for two points. Jim. Yeah. NBC's weepy melodrama jumps backward and forward in time to tell the story of a mixed-race family of single-horned quadrupeds and their fateful crockpot.
3: This is Rhinoceros?
2: That is good for two points. Yay! Dave. Dave.
3: Dave it's a simple game I don't know, any trouble yeah,
2: is. I know right? Dave is so mad <laughs> Showtime's I will oh, tell you
0: why I'm, I'm mad okay. Off air No off air
2: Oh okay yeah. yeah. Alright great Looking She's forward to that Great no, I'm just joking. Showtime's Here's your question God. Yeah Showtime's Award winning dramedy uh-huh. Follows a superlative Canine medical professional Okay Who also happens To have a problem With prescription pills
0: What was, the animal, what was the animal description
2: again? K9. Um Showtime I, dramedy. Yeah, pills. I know I got that
0: part. All right, what's the animal?
2: Jackal.
0: Oh shit, I was yeah. Okay, Edie. uh yeah, Edie Falco uh nurse jackal.
2: That's good for 1 point. All right. Ooh. Sarah D'Bonick. Yeah. The CW's Sophomore drama stars Ante Lope Diggs A little bonus one for you As a hard charging dad Grooming his talented son For a possible future career In the NFL
1: uh, Can I have the show name?
2: All American
1: All American all American, all American, cantaloupe? I don't know.
2: Eh. Impala American.
1: Oh, Impala. That's the other one.
2: When yes. this titular canine protagonist of an HBO historical dramedy isn't briskly walking all over her property, she's making all the lady canines howl in ecstasy. Can I
3: get the show in? Gentleman
2: name? Jack. Oh, That's
3: Gentleman Jack.
2: at one point. Dave. Mm-hmm. Yes. A&E's horror prequel reveals how a shy quadruped with huge ears and a prehensile trunk turned into a serial murderer. Uh. One more time, please? A&E's horror prequel yeah. reveals how a shy quadruped with huge ears and a prehensile trunk turned into a serial murderer.
0: Alright, I, I, I honestly don't understand what I'm supposed to be substituting half the time, but is it Bates elephant?
1: Yes,
2: that's good for two points. Sometimes
0: it's part of the word, sometimes it rhymes, sometimes it doesn't. I'm very confused and I'm scared and I'm crying and I peed myself.
2: You just got two points.
0: <laughs> I'm happy about that though.
2: Sarah, debunted. <laughs> Netflix's crime drama about a family of horned bovines who relocate to Missouri to flee a money laundering plan gone wrong is about to enter its third season, Yes Really.
1: Horned What now? Bovines. Horned bovines. Um, well I'm going to guess Antilozarks. <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> Buzz.
1: Mm. Hint please. Lozark. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
2: Mm. Buffalozark. Jim. Yes. Way way back in the 1980s. Secret government employees. Dug up famous guys and ladies and made amusing (laughs) genetic copies, each with a very large horn on their heads.
3: Well, it's clone high. And then I'm I'm confused I, I can't I can't somehow. Wedge a rhinoceros in
1: there. <laughs> right? Fight a <and> nickel. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: you have both parts right. Huh. Okay. I can't do it. Buzz. It's just clone high nostrils. No. (laughs) Dave. Okay. So, last question before the score break. Okay. First on ABC Family and eventually Freeform, this soap was pitched as Desperate Housewives for teens plus their big cats.
0: Pretty Little Lions?
2: Yes. Good for two points. Ooh. Sarah, can we get those scores?
1: Indeed. Uh, Dave coming up on the backstretch. Uh, Jim has four points, and Dave and I are tied with seven.
2: Ooh. All right. One, everybody has one question left. Mm. Here we go. Sarah DeBunting. It was only supposed to be a three hour tour for these poor castaway reptiles. Hmm,
1: for these poor castaway reptiles. All right. Well, the show is Gilligan's Island and uh, uh, like uh, Heligan's Island. <laughs> I don't know.
2: Uh,
0: do you want a hint? Can't she ask for a hint? Yeah. You can uh,
2: have a hint. Yes.
1: Can I have the animal?
2: Yes. The animal is crocodile.
1: Gilligan's Island.
2: That is correct for one point. I will take it. Jim, Mm -hmm. I really wish you guys could see how furious Dave is. Like, we may not be going on this trip tomorrow because Dave is going to leave me. (laughs) Jim. Yes. Some people will try to tell you that Fox's early aughts teen drama about a wealthy family who adopt a disadvantaged young horned bovine is the rightful heir to Beverly Hills 90210, but in fact it sucks, bitch. (laughs) It's a reference to the show. It's not me calling you a bitch. You're loving it.
3: I mean, either or. It's fine. Um, (laughs) Why not both? Uh, The rhinoceros sea? I can't do it.
2: That's not correct, but you can ask for a hint.
3: (laughs) Uh, Give me the animal.
2: The animal is buffalo.
3: The buffalo sea.
2: That is correct for one point. All right, Dave. Yeah. What of it? (laughs) At any given time. Yeah. I have upwards of 20 episodes of this PBS news magazine show uh-huh. about current events in the world of big cats on my DVR. Frontline. <laughs> it's good for two points. <laughs> <Dave>. <laughs> Can we get the final scores, please, Sarah?
1: Ladies and germs, uh, Jim Durr has five points. I have eight points and a seething David T. Cole <laughs> has won with nine points.
2: Would you guys like to play the tiebreaker just for shits and giggles? Sure.
1: I I will.
2: This NBC sitcom was about an extraterrestrial who rarely got to eat the cat. <laughs> <laughs> <Got it. laughs> Giraffe. Oh, oh. Giraffe. <laughs> it. All right, that was pretty good. <laughs> uh, Turns it around. Oh, is of Trouble.
0: Hey, that's me. Dave. Hello, guys. That is it for another episode of Extra Hot Great. We carefully followed the instructions to watch the competitive reality show Lego Masters before going around the dial with stops at Katie Keene, Free Solo, Sarah's CBS All Access Roundup, and Dairy Queen.
4: That's what I like about Texas. (laughs) Dave broke out
0: his successful pitch for The Prisoner's Many Happy Returns. We crowned winners and losers of the week, and Dave—that's me—was the winner of this week's Safari Game Time. Remember,
2: we're listening. Ah.
0: I am David T. Cole, and on behalf of Tara Ariano,
2: be seeing you,
0: Sarah Debunting.
1: Bunting, hehe, <laughs> <laughs> number two,
0: and Jim Durr. I've shattered all of my teeth trying to get these two pieces apart. <laughs> 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 Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time right here on Extra Hot Great.
1: Be seeing you.